This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning. If you have your devices or your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. We're going to be reading Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 through 18, verse 15. So we have a little bit of a a passage this morning. Just uh, be thankful you're not uh, with the Israelites in Nehemiah. They read from beginning of the day until noon, and everybody was standing the whole time. So, <laughs> All right, here we go. Genesis 17, starting with verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, You shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any circumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, 
and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house, or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent, from the front, excuse me, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that, had, that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door, at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am old and worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the songs that have been sung this morning. We think back to the one, trust and obey, for there's no other way. But Father, we acknowledge that it, oftentimes that's difficult to trust and to believe that you are able to do any and everything that is necessary for us. We thank you that you are a compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love showing your love to a thousand generations of those who love you. 
yet you do not leave the guilty unpunished. Help us, Father, to believe these things and to trust you, and we ask for your blessing upon your message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Wes, for that reading. And children, it's your time now to go to your program. Have a great time. I know that seemed like a long reading, and it was. But, you know, those words are much more important than the words that I'm going to say. My, my words don't have power. It's the word of God that's sharp and powerful like a two-edged sword. And so I hope you were, you were listening attentively and following along. We have a wonderful day out here today. Glad you're, you're here with us in person, out on the field and, and upstairs in the auditorium as well. I see the, the box seats are filled up here in the front. Uh, you don't have to know the owner to, uh, to get in, in on that uh, spot. You just have to be here a little earlier to get in there. That's all. All right, they're open for anybody. Just thought I'd make mention of that. Yeah, box seats. It's probably a good little, uh, you know, phrase to say on uh, Super Bowl Sunday too, right? I won't ask you who you're, who you're rooting for. Doesn't really matter in my opinion. All right. We are in chapter 17, and we're going to look at the, the awkward, uncomfortable sign of the covenant that God gave to Abram, who he now calls Abraham. The promises continue to be reiterated, but doubt continues to ensue, but God continues. So the promises continue to be reiterated, doubt continues to continue though. Uh, but God continues to be faithful. You know, 13 years has passed from chapters 16 to 17. Abram is now 99 years old and has a teenage son. That's great. And, and you remember that mess from last week, right? How that all came about. We're going to look at the, the wonderful fact here that God makes us new through his covenant. God makes us new through his covenant. And this is what he did for Abraham and his family. And this is what he can do for us through the new covenant in Christ's blood. We're going to look at the new things God gives to Abraham. All right, three new things. A new name, a new mark, and a new question. A new name, a new mark, and a new question. All right, let's go. God gives a new name, actually he gives new names to both Abraham and Sarah. Those are, those are their new names. With, with those names, we see the continued promise of his blessing. Look at verses five and six in chapter 17. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Wow, kings, all right. And then look at, look, how about uh, Sarah here? verses 15 and 16. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah 
shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. All right, now it gets really specific, right? She's going to be the one who bears the son. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Your, your, name, your name is a big part of your identity. That's, that's what you're known by and, and referred to. You have, you have legal documents that, that all link to your name. You have, you have a signature that, that binds you to contracts. What's, what's the difference when someone calls you by name or if someone just says, hey, you? What's, what's, what's the difference there? There is a difference, right? We, we feel that difference, and that's, and that's why all the business books, you know, tell us to, you know, repeat people's names in conversations, right? That's important because, you know, you, you, you want to remember the name, but it also expresses to that person that, that you know them, or at the very least, you want to know them because you're investing in knowing their name. Now, imagine if someone wanted to change your name. We'd probably struggle a little bit with that. I mean, maybe if you don't like your name, maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal, but, but right, our name is who we are. It's, it's who we're known by. Imagine having a discussion around the water cooler at work. Hey, Chuck, how's it going today? Oh, uh, I'm not Chuck anymore. I'm Dave. Okay, maybe that's not too weird, but what if you followed up with, yeah, uh, God changed my name to Dave? That'd probably end that conversation real quick. But I, I just want you to kind of see how significant this is. This isn't something just to sort of gloss over. God is changing the very identity of, of Abram and Sarai because he wants it linked to him and his promises. God is, is claiming them as his own. He says, look, Terah may have given you your name, Abram, but now I'm giving you your name. Right? Do, you see the, do you see the ownership there? Their names are now also associated with, with royalty. Right? Kings will come from them. Abraham means father of nations. Before he was exalted father. Now he's father of nations. Sarah continues to mean princess. And so perhaps it's just a reiteration of saying, look, you, you are royalty. Nations will come from you as well. In a sense, we're all looking for a name change. We long to have a name that is known that is honored, that is cared for, and cherished. God, through Christ, gives us a new identity. Those who give over their identity to him and bow to him as king become his children. His. We belong to him through Christ. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The next thing that God gave to Abraham is a new mark. God gives Abraham a sign of the covenant that he made with him back in, in chapter 15. The sign is circumcision. Now this, this was not a new practice during this, during this time frame, which is, which is why Abraham doesn't say, what's that? Right? He, he knows exactly what it is. But, but why circumcision, right? Maybe, maybe you're wondering that. Why, why not an earring or a tattoo? <laughs> I think, you know, if I was Abraham, I would have been like, yeah, can I just barter a little bit with this sign here? All right, this, this is an awkward, painful, messy sign. Well, the, the, the symbolism here is rich. So, so let's, let's explore it a little bit with a PG rating. The last covenant before the Abrahamic covenant was the Noahic covenant. And the same sort of pattern is followed. That's, with the Noahic covenant, this is, the, this is sort of the, the, the pattern. God judged the people because they were wicked. He judged them with a global flood. He provided salvation and blessing through his promise to one family, Noah's family. Then God promises not to judge through a global flood again. And his sign is the rainbow. The thing about the rainbow is that it only appears when there's rain. Hence the word rainbow. Right? And the rain was the very judgment that, that God poured down on the earth. Right? The, the covenant sign is associated with the very judgment that was given. The Abrahamic covenant follows the same type of pattern. Everybody was turned away from God, right? A Abram and Sarai, Terah, uh, Lot, they, they were all worshiping other gods. God takes one family, that one family, which he promises salvation and blessing. And then God promises blessing available to all nations through his promise of kings, through Abraham's descendants, and the sign is circumcision. So does that covenant sign, like the rainbow, speak of judgment and blessing right? at, the, at the same time? The answer is yes. Abraham's member went into Hagar to try to fulfill God's promise without God. And now, he has a piece of it cut off. There's, there's that judgment right there. And we see the ensuing judgment. Everyone who doesn't get this sign, they're cut off from the family of God. 
But the son of promise will still come through that body part that has been cut. Right? There's still blessing to come. Right? Curse, curse is deserved here, but grace is given. Right? Failure to, to comply, again, is to be cut off from God's people. God's sign of belonging to him is also the very thing that speaks of judgment toward what Abraham did to obtain the blessing on his own power apart from God's plan. And that's really what man's religion is. Man's religion is trying to get to God or to obtain God's favor or blessing your own way. It, it, it may seem right and good, and it may build your confidence up, but it's not God's way. God doesn't say to Abraham and, and Sarah, you know, after Ishmael is born, okay, great, guys, you finally figured it out, how, how to get my promise. I, I, was, I was hoping you would work it out, right? You had, you had that young... Egyptian slave for quite some time. Good job. Now, now you're on your way to blessing with Ishmael. You did it. You obtained it. Good for you. Pat on the back. No. God wants Abraham and Sarah to see his power through taking an old couple, barren and now past childbearing days, Right? The way of woman is not with her anymore. And giving them a miracle child. Something they could never do on their own. Christianity is, is not about trying. It's not about trying harder to receive God's blessing. Christianity is about trusting Trusting God's promises to us through Christ. You know, there, there's, there's a part of us that is despised, hated by God. The Bible calls it sin. It, it's the darkness within us. You, you've, I know you've had dark thoughts. Maybe you've done some dark things. We generally try to hide these things. But God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Light and darkness don't coexist together. Light and darkness cannot be friends. We need our sins to be removed, to be cut off from us. Listen to the words from Paul's letter to the Colossians as he talked about what it means when we receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, as our Savior. Colossians 2, verse 11. In him, Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
So in Christ, we, we receive what was only a sign to Abraham. We receive a spiritual circumcision, if you will, a, a putting off or cutting off of the flesh. And, and the flesh is a term that's used for, for sin or darkness. How? How does that happen? How does that cutting off happen? It says, by the circumcision of Christ. Now, now what is that? It, it's, it's not the fact that Christ was was a Jew, and so he was circumcised on the eighth day. That's, that's not what it means. It's talking about when Christ was cut off for us on the cross. Jesus had no darkness within him, and he was loaded up with your sin, with your darkness, and cut off from the light. He took the curse of the covenant, right, being cut off for you so that you could be joined together with God like friends. You can coexist together. For the Christian, just like a really close friend, God is in every part of your life. And, and that's what circumcision really shouts out to us. There, there's no off-limits to God regarding your life. There, there's, there is no awkward conversation with God. He's in it all. It, it's hard to follow God in this world, but, but that's what he desires. Are there some areas in your life that are off limits to God? Maybe it's an area that you've, you've let God into, but you, you keep shutting the door in his face. It, it's, it's hard to walk in the light on your own. And that's, and that's why the Bible says in 1 John, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Right? That, notice the togetherness in that verse. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Right? We, we do this together as a church. And when we do this together, we gain fellowship with one another. We gain a deep sense of belonging and unity, a culture that the world can't replicate. And then our identity in Christ is strengthened, and that gives us comfort, that gives us peace, and that gives us hope. We shouldn't be afraid to have those awkward, messy conversations with God or with the Christians that he's put in our life. Let's look at that last new thing that we get from this text, a new question. God tells Abraham that the promise of a child would be through Sarah. It's, so it's crystal clear now. God tells Abraham again through the presence of three men who, who seem angelic and or divine, 
And Sarah overhears the conversation from the tent. So she's, she's in on this. Think about this. The couple was called out by God from Haran at the ages of 75 and 65. Right, the, the possibility of having a child could still be within reason. Eleven years later, they come up with the Hagar solution because they're getting desperate. Thirteen more years later, they are physically unable of ha to have children, but God's promise is still there. It's still there. It remains. And here is the question that the Lord proposes to Abraham. Genesis 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question of faith. The answer to this question determines where you go and what identity you live in as you go there. If, if the answer is yes, yeah, there are things that are too hard for God. Then you remain in hopelessness and within the constraints of the physical world. Prayer is nothing more than mental therapy for you. And God is nothing more than an idol that can only do what you could possibly do yourself. If the answer is no, no, nothing is too hard for the Lord, then hope is found beyond your means. Prayer is powerful, because nothing is too hard for God. God can do anything he wills. Jesus answers this question for us with great certainty. When his disciples ask him, who can be saved? And they ask him this because they see this rich young ruler before him, and this rich young ruler has it all together, and in that time, if you were rich, that was also a sign of God's blessing. And not only that, he's morally upright, he's following the commandments as best he can, and he walks away from Jesus disheartened. And Jesus says, yeah, it's, you know, he's, he's trusting in his riches, he's trusting in what he's doing, and it, it's, you know, it's, so it's hard for someone to enter the kingdom of God. It's like, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And then Jesus looked at them and said in Mark 10, 27, with man, it is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus states it in, in a different way, in the affirmative. Jesus gives us the answer because he is the answer. We cannot enter the kingdom of God on our own. It is impossible. And that is why we put our faith and trust in Jesus because he is God in the flesh, and he can do the impossible for us. But this goes beyond your, your salvation, being delivered from your sin and your darkness. 
God can do what we never could do on our own. It, it may seem impossible to live the way God wants us to in this world. Perhaps you just don't want to wait for marriage to enjoy God's gift of intimacy. It seems impossible with the, the temptations around you. Perhaps you, you want to get ahead, but following the rules just seems to, to set you back because those who aren't just seem to be scooting on ahead of you. It seems impossible. Perhaps you, you want to serve God in a particular way, but you just don't see how you could get the time to do it. It just seems impossible. Perhaps your, your marriage is, is a far cry from what you imagined. It seems impossible that anything could change. I'm not saying that God is going to give you everything you want, but I am saying that God is limitless. And he can work in the impossible to bring about what you never imagined possible. So what do you do with your impossible situation? Do you live in defeat, in despair, in hopelessness? Let, let me give you some, something practical that you can do in your impossible situation. And let, let, me just, let me couple it with an example to, to help as well. Let's say you're stuck in a job that you hate. It's just, you know, getting up and going to work is the death of you. You, you know, you're only 35, but you're waiting for retirement. What do you do? First, first think, think of any ways that you're boxing God in. And then think outside of that box. Okay, God's answer for that job may not be a new job but giving you a new outlook on your current job, or even a love for your current job. You know, and that person might say, well, that seems, that seems ludicrous. I could never love this job. Yeah, nothing's impossible for God. He could change it. You see, you see how you're, you, you box him in? Think outside the box, okay? That's, that's the first step. Second, Look for a truth or promise in the Bible that speaks to your impossible situation. So perhaps for this scenario, you would choose 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, or through to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then perhaps couple that with the Lord's words from Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Get get those promises, those truths in your heart. And that's, that's that's the third step after you find them. You say those Bible promises every day. And then you say them every time you feel that hopelessness arising up in you. And then pray to God. His promises and truth will direct your prayers. So it might sound something like this for this scenario. Father, I'm asking that you give me the good gift of a job that I would enjoy, whether it's this one or another one. While I'm waiting, please help me to rejoice and to give thanks for the job that I have right now. We have the God who can do the impossible. And so let's, let's lean heavy on him. You can't lean too heavy on him. One more thing before we conclude. Abraham and Sarah have doubts moving forward still. They both laugh at God's promise coming through their old bodies. Abraham even tries to convince God to make Ishmael the the seed of blessing. He's already he's you know he's already said, you know, it's going to be Sarah, it's going to be Sarah. They're filled with doubt, but Ab- Abraham moves forward with the sign of the covenant. Right? Ishmael maybe? No. Okay, circumcision then. And he and every male is circumcised in his household. It, it doesn't make any sense to Abraham. None of this makes any sense. I'm going to have a child. You want me to, to mess around down there and trust you in moving forward that you're going to do this. Yeah, sounds like a plan. If, if that's all that you can do, in your situation is reluctantly move forward and trust God with whatever he says, then just do that. Just do that. Perhaps you're, you're filled with, with doubt and disbelief in God's promises or ways or, or the fact that he, he loves you deeply in Christ and, and you, you wonder if he really does. Remember, you're, you're in good company with Abraham. And even Jesus' own disciples, right, the ones who walked with our Lord, they, they were filled with doubt and disbelief through the entire journey. Just keep turning toward him because he is always drawing near to you. Just keep moving forward, even if it doesn't seem to make sense right now, and you feel like turning the other way because that makes more sense, away from God. Remember, your greatest problem has been remedied in Christ. This is the most important thing. 
It's been remedied in Christ on the cross, where his unfailing love was demonstrated for you. Your, your sin, your darkness is nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. Keep moving forward with Christ. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's awkward, even if it's messy, even if it's uncomfortable. Blessing lies ahead because nothing is impossible for God. Let's pray. Father, you know that we, we are not the exception when it comes to faith. Abraham had his doubts and continued to have his doubts, and so will we. But Father, help us to move forward with the new identity that you've given us. and the reality that Christ was cut off for us. The sign of the cross is our greatest sign that moves us continually in your direction, for it shows the great love that you bestowed on us so that we could become the children of God. Help us to remember that we have a Father who can do anything. May we lean heavy upon him, our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.